Welcome back to Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mercy Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. So, it's happy birthday, Coronation Street. 60 years of the world's longest-running drama serial. And to kick things off on this extra special birthday, Distinct Nostalgia is looking back six decades with Julie Hesmondhal, who played the iconic Hayley Cropper for 16 years. Julie sat down last night to chat to Ashley about a programme which changed her life in many more ways than one. Julie, it's lovely to chat to you for Distinct Nostalgia um, on the eve of what is the 60th birthday of Coronation Street. I mean, can you believe it's got to 60? I mean, it's absolutely amazing when you think about it. You know, I mean, I know there are other things that have gone. You know, Blue Peter is what, that was 1958 that started. And I think the Sky at Night started earlier than that. But, you know, it was such a groundbreaking thing that Tony, Bro- Tony Warren did, wasn't it? And, you know, it was a big risk, wasn't it, back in 1960 to do what he did? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that it, it really did change the face of telly, really, in lots of ways, because it was the first time for a, a lot of working class people that they'd, they'd seen their lives on screen in that way, you know. And I mean, it's really well documented in it that Tony, you know, had just listened to people's conversations and had grown up around all these incredible Salford matriarchs and, and just wanted to make something of them. And I don't, I'm sure you've seen the, the advert for the 60th, which is like Tony on the train and saying, I think I just want to like make a, a programme about ordinary people just chatting. And the woman saying, oh, that sounds terribly boring or whatever. And, and, and that's what it was. And I think that it was a bit of a gamble and a lot of people thought, mm, no, this isn't going to go anywhere, but it, it really did change things. And, and I'm certain that he wouldn't have imagined that it would still be on 60 years on. I mean, it is extraordinary, isn't it? It is. And of course, you know, it, it, what was magic about it at that particular time, and obviously things have changed to an extent in different ways, but what was magic about it was that for the first time on television, obviously there'd been films, there'd been those kitchen sink dramas and things mm-hmm. like that. For the first time on television, people in back streets in the north of England or whatever were having themselves reflected in, in drama, weren't they? So it was That's a, right. It was a big thing, wasn't it, in that sense? Yeah, and I think that it just it took people's breath away to tune in and and see characters that they recognised and dialogue that they recognised and 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 stories that they recognised. You know, it was just like it's such a specific thing that very northern that northwestern humour and and yeah, I think it it, it was just a, it was a breath of fresh air. I think it was. What was your earliest memory of watching Corrie yourself? Um. I'm not sure because sometimes I wonder whether I have a bit of false memory about it because there's things that I remember from very early on. But I think there's a couple of things that I remember. I remember Ernest Bishop being shot. I remember that really clearly because it was absolutely just sensational when that happened. I mean, it's hard to believe now because like things like that happen every other day, don't they, in Weatherfield. But well, back then, it was like a really, really big deal. Like people having an affair was, you know, like the, the Ken, Deirdre, um, Mike, love triangle. I mean, that's been replicated so many times, but at the time, it was just absolutely huge. So yeah, so I remember that because I think it properly sort of went into my consciousness because it had been such a big deal. But then I remember like really, really sort of like um, just daft things. Like I remember Fred G and Reenie 
um and 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 i think bet and like a, a a van falling into a river once and i'm coming out wet through i really remember that as well so yeah but but for sure you know my mum and dad were watching it from the very very beginning and i was watching it from you know when i was old enough to stay up that late and um you know it's a bit of our family folklore that uh, there was a cat called frisbee that was that preceded me and it was quite a wild cat. And whenever the theme music came on, the cat would like climb the curtains and whiz around the room. It went, we used to go absolutely mad when it heard the theme tune and they just couldn't believe it. And we think now that, you know, it's obviously like familiar and it knew the, the absolute imports that, that those, those notes would have to our family in times to come. Absolutely. Look, looking back, at, I remember the Ernie Bishop um, uh, shooting as well. Of course, Emily and uh, Ernie. And it was in the factory, wasn't it? It was shot yeah. in the factory. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, robbery gone wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big, big, big thing. Absolutely. I also remember Emily was the victim of a bigamist as well, long before um, other people. I mean, so we've had several of those, but Emily was a victim of biggest bigamist back in the 70s. That's right. And that was the only other chance at love, I think. She, Emily has never, ever married anybody else or really properly been with anybody else it was always earnest which is dead interesting isn't it it's like that was the only time she'd had her head turned and he turned out to be a bigamist yeah I'd forgotten about that actually. I do I remember though I, I do remember her sat I don't remember because I wasn't alive but I have seen um episodes from the 60s where they sat on a derelict building site somewhere eating sandwiches with some young guy from abroad somewhere and I wonder, and I'm, I'm not sure, but I wonder if there was something that something going on there. And did, did she have anything to do? Was she any? Did she have a um, have any kind of romantic liaisons with uh, Arnold Swindley? I don't think she did. Did she? I don't think she was. I don't think so. I no. think it was always Ernest because she was. I think she was always. I don't. I mean, I don't know when she married Ernest. I don't know whether when that happened. So that might have preceded Ernest. I don't know, but well, certainly after him, she never ever married anybody else because she's always been she's always been Emily Bishop, hasn't she? So. Absolutely, absolutely. But this is the thing, you see, we're having this conversation about it now, not quite sure what's happening, because we're talking about a lifetime, aren't we? We literally are yeah. talking about generations yeah. now have been touched by it in different ways, you know. Yeah, amazing. absolutely. And, and you mentioned the, uh, the, 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 the lake thing. I, th- I think what you're remembering is, wasn't it, uh, it was a bank holiday Monday sometime in the early 80s, and it was Bet and Betty had been promised uh, an afternoon out by... Fred G or something and, yeah. and and Brian Tilsley hadn't sorted the car brakes out properly or something and and basically what happened was they ended up Bet yeah. and Betty ended up careering into the river in this in this in the car and having to be rescued etc well was- I, th- I think your listeners will will absolutely know what this because I I, I definitely have a memory that of, of Reenie, Reenie Bradshaw being involved in that as well and and whether Reenie Roberts as she became yes yeah, I don't Rob- know whether that was I'm mixing two incidents up I mean this is terrible isn't it we're just like this is well, she- of all the memories we're, we're picking the one that we don't actually <laughs> remember very well it's like, I don't know whether you saw the um, 60th anniversary program I mean I absolutely loved it there were things in that that I'd forgotten about and it it, it just took my breath away I mean I was absolutely wrapped from start to finish watching those old clips. It was just beautiful, wasn't it? 
it's amazing. It's, you, you, but they're part of your life, aren't they? Because you were there. You, you feel as though you were there because, you, you know, it's been such, such a part of our lives for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, the, and they are, they, they, those people become part of your family. You know, you're yeah. seeing them more regularly than you're seeing some more members of your family sometimes, you know. And, and, and that's the power of it. That's why you can really, you know, make people very engaged and passionate about what goes on in it because because it's like it's happening to them you know it's exactly. it's kind of and I thought it was dead interesting when they were talking about the Ken Deirdre Mike uh, love triangle that usually in a soap there's a, a well-established couple and somebody you don't care about very much comes in to to wreak havoc you know and so you're always on the side of the spurned but in that one, you felt for all three of them because you knew them all so well. So it was like it had happened between your neighbours, really. Uh, absolutely. You mentioned Reedy Roberts, or Reedy Bradshaw, as she was originally, obviously played by Madge Hindle. I interviewed uh, Madge for Distinct Nostalgia. And would you believe, I mean, she was in it for four years. Is that what she was 90- in it for? Yeah, <gasps> late 1970s. Because she'd been, a, she'd played, she'd, she'd been a, the sidekick of Hilda Baker's character in Nearest and Dearest. That's where she came from. Bill Podmore picked her from that to appear in Coronation Street. So she had that part for about four years. She was killed off, if you remember rightly. Again, this, that might be where you're thinking about, because she, she actually died in a car, in a car accident yeah. um, in which she was being taught by... Um, she's been taught by Elf to learn to... She's, he was teaching her to learn to drive, and something went wrong, and, and they ended, she ended up careering off the road and... That's how she was, she was killed off in that way. Well, that's, that, that might be what I'm remembering then. I'm mixing up two sort of car incidents, <laughs> one tragic and one deeply comic. They, they, they've like been messed up in my mind. Well, I'm glad we've sorted that out before everybody writes in. It's like, <laughs> I am sorry. I was only born in 1970. I just need to say this. I was, you know, so I was a very, very little girl when all this was going on. So but, but you have to forgive my shady memory. The thing about Madge, Madge was that, you know, she was only in it for four years, but we get statistics of all the downloads of our podcasts, our interviews, and she is one of the most popular interviews, and it's still yeah. rising. People remember Madge Hindle as Reenie yeah. Bradshaw, yeah. and it's, uh, lots of people remember the tragic end, and uh, you know, really quite, you know, sad about it. They wanted her to carry on. They were, you know, she was a classic character, wasn't she? She was a classic character, and that and that's a very interesting thing to me because it, you know, you're the sort of. Um, becoming a bit of a an iconic character on Corrie isn't always about longevity you know because if you think about you know for, for every sort of Hilda and Ken and Gail or whatever you also have um Susie Birchall who can't have been in it for very long but absolutely has lived on in my memory as as you know a very important iconic character but also characters like Raquel and Becky and and even Karen, played by Saran Jones, they weren't in it for terribly long, you know, not in double figures by any stretch of the imagination, but they have absolutely lived on in that way. And and, and it, it's interesting to me what it is that just captures the, the sort of audience's imagination and hearts to make them sort of take a place in that in that sort of lexicon. And, and then other people can be in it for much longer and sort of just, just trail off somehow, you know. And, and, and there's... there's there's no formula for it. It's a little bit of magic. It's a little bit of mystery around that, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I've just interviewed in the last few days, and this is going out this week, um, Roberta Carr, who played uh, Wendy Crozier. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a classic because absolutely everybody remembers Wendy Crozier's name. Wendy Isn't it Flaming weird? Crozier. Wendy Flaming Crozier, that's what we're William Wendy Flaming Crozier, yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. And, and of course, Spider as well, Martin Hancock as Spider. Another, yeah. yeah. Well, that depicted yeah. the period, didn't it, of course, because there was all that. But yeah. a lot of people, more people remember uh, Spider than remember Swampy, don't they, in many ways. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, it's strange. So, did you ever think that you'd end up starring in Coronation Street? We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying to oh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying, oh, yeah. trying, trying to get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Damn, me, me. We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We're gonna have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right with this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Oh gosh, no, no. I mean, that's not that's not something that anybody thinks really. I mean, um, no. I mean, when I, I mean, I've said this, you know, so many times over the years, but it, it is, it's a real thing if you are a Northern actor that it is hoped for and expected and dreamed of for you, you know. So I went to London and and trained, you know, I had a conservatoire training, you know, classical training at, at London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And Honestly, I could have been doing anything. I wasn't, I hasten to add. But if I'd have been at the National or the RSC or in Hollywood even, people would have still been asking me in Accrington as to, you know, oh, yeah, when are we going to see you on Corridor? So it's such a relief when it finally happens, you know, even if you're in for a couple of episodes. And I remember, like, as a teenager, going to the theatre, like, with school and stuff. And, and getting a programme at the Royal Exchange or at Bolson Oxygen or at Oldham and looking at the programme. And if anybody had been in Corrie, just being like, oh my God, they've been in Corrie, they've been in Corrie. And very often they'd just been in playing a copper, you know, or a nurse or whatever, you know, a day player on it. But I'd be like, I wonder what they were in Corrie. I wonder what they did. And it was always like a massive deal. And, and if you were in a play, you know, the Corrie team would often come along to watch it. And I remember the moment when I started doing theatre after Coronation Street. And there's still that buzz of like, oh, Coronation Street are in tonight, Coronation Street are in, you know, the, the casting directors, sort of Judy and June as it was, and Jenny as it is now. And it's like, they're in, they're in. And I thought, well, I've been, I've been kind of robbed of that now because, because that can never mean anything to me anymore, you know? So it's kind of, but it, yeah, it, it's definitely a huge thing. So when I got the call, to say that I had, well, first of all, the general meeting, that was what happened first, because I was doing a play in Manchester at the Royal Exchange, um, actually in the in the marquee, because it was after the bombing in Manchester. So this was in 97, and I was doing much to do about nothing, and just playing two like little comedy parts, a comedy maid and a comedy night watchman. And after that, Corey got me in. June West got me in for just a general chat, which was thrilling enough for me. And uh, and then very shortly after that, they got me in for the part of Haley. And um, 
and I was the only person they saw for it. I mean, now when I hear about the sort of lengths that you have to go through to get a part on Corrie, you know, the audition process, the chemistry test, you know, you've got to be able to like play five musical instruments, tap dance, everything now, you know. And uh, But then it was just like, it was because it was quite a secretive storyline, especially they were quite keen just to not, you know, open it out very much. And I think, you know, quite actually hilariously unimaginatively they'd seen me sort of play you know androgyny and have thought oh, oh yeah she, she'll do for it you know so so I went in and uh and they told me you know and I thought based on absolutely nothing actually just based on it being Corrie I was like right Coronation Street so I, I literally went in a leopard skin coat and red lipstick and I had bleached one day and I was just like, I was like, yeah, okay, well, that, this is Corey, you know, I'll be like a Bet Lynch character. And when I went in, um, it was Judy Hayfield, the casting director, and she sort of like smuggled me into her office and was like, I don't know what you're going to think about this, but, you know, this is, this is what the character is. You know, she's, she's, as the term was used then, transsexual, you know, that's a very outdated term now. And I was like, okay, right, okay. So she said, so come back next week and meet Brian Park, the producer, and read some pages. So I went away and just like did as much research as I could pre-internet on that issue and took it very seriously, actually. You know, there was a radical bookshop in Manchester called Frontline Books. And so I was reading real sort of radical texts about transgenderism, you know, which, which weren't completely appropriate for, for Haley. really. All I had to do was play her as like the shy kind of office worker that she was then. And uh, so I went back the week after, met Brian Park, did it like, they just put a camera on me. I read a couple of lines and he, he barely took any notice of me. <laughs> and I left thinking, oh, that's my chance gone because he weren't interested at all. And I left not really thinking much about it, um, certainly not thinking that I'd got it. Apparently, as I left the room, he said to Judy Hayfield, yeah, yeah, give it to her, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like lackadaisical way. And Judy ran after me, and I'd already gone. And, uh, and this, you know, again, predated mobile phones, so I didn't have a mobile. So I went back to London, where I was living with my great friend from Accrington, Joel Lessie, who, fact fans, has just... Uh, finished his stint last year as playing the the baddie the stepdad of um Paul you know who'd abused him as a child that was that was his big curry moment so he was waiting for me in our house in London and when I answered the door him and a group of mates were waiting for me with like a a, a bottle of cheap fizzy wine they were like they, they've wrong they've wrong on the landline you, you've got it so it's this amazing moment in my life and um and again, you know, I've talked about this a lot, but I was never meant to be in it for as long as I was. I was just a, a little joke storyline. That was the intention that Roy, who they'd, you know, started to really like as a, as a regular character on the street, they wanted him to have a series of disastrous dates, of which Haley was the first, you know, that, that he would fall for a little bit. And then, you know, the big denouement of the story would be that she was transgender and like, all bets off, she goes off into the sunset. I didn't know that, and, and I certainly, I don't know whether it would have changed things for me if I'd have known that, but I, I played it from the beginning knowing two things. One, um, that Roy was a very special character and that his heart was to be protected, you know, by me, you know, that he shouldn't be jokes around with and messed around with in that way. And also that in playing a character that was transgender, I, I was 
absolutely representing a group of people who, would, who, who hadn't really had much of a voice on television before and especially on popular television. So I, ju I just played a you know, with, with love and I hope integrity because I loved her from the start and I loved Roy. And, and what happened was that little bit of sort of magic happened where there was like proper chemistry between us from day one. You know, we, we just really got on as, as uh, people and as actors, but the characters just clicked together. And so they very soon decided that, oh no, we can't split these two up. You know, the public are really behind them and want them to be together. But now we, we, we're kind of saddled with the issue, you know, which was never a Coronation Street thing really. Um, but I was really, really glad of it because, you know, it was it was totally what made that character interesting and exciting for me that I could be representing a group of people and in a rich tradition of sorts, you know, taking on issues through characters, you know, like from, you know, uh, Anna in um, Anna Friel in, in Brookside, you know, Margaret and Beth in Brookside and Colin in EastEnders, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that that made it, you know, thrilling for me. And so when people got behind that relationship and that love affair, it was just the most wonderful thing in the world. And it also really, really cemented for me um, a sort of like a, a belief that was really beginning uh, to take hold of me that, that, that soaps have got a really important part to play in changing people's attitudes about, you know, massive social issues. And, and it, it has to be done delicately because people don't like to feel like they're being preached to and, and they can sort of, they can feel it when um, it's a bit too on the nose. But the way to do it is just to allow people to get to know and like, and maybe even love a character who who is different from them, you know, and that's how you break down boundaries and prejudices. And I think that the, the writers on Corrie really, really successfully did that through, through Hayley, but also through a love affair with Roy. It has to be character driven, doesn't it, really? You know, yeah. um, if you shoe on things in, people realise it's being shoe horned in. And I worry sometimes, not, not just about Corrie, but I do worry about soaps generally these days, that there are moments when you feel as though things are being shoehorned in occasionally, do you know what I mean? But certainly in your part, your character, it wasn't like that. Well, you know, I, 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 saw, I do understand what you mean, but, but I'm, I'm a great believer in it, actually, because I do think that the, the great conversation starters, you know, and, and for people at home who were experiencing something, you know, and whether it's, you know, Aidan's suicide or David's rape, um, or, you know, Hayley being transgender or, you know, the, the Bailey family experiencing racism, you know, these things are the, the things to make people talk. And, and, you know, and hearing, for example, black characters talk about their experiences of racism in this slightly sort of rainbow world of Weatherfield where, you know, we don't really see racism, you know, in any real way. I think it's really important, you know, and, and I think it really makes people sort of sit up and think, oh, yeah, even though Dev is part of the furniture on Coronation Street and to the point that we don't really see his colour, you know, and like that awful expression, you know, that, that, that it gives them a deeper understanding of him, you know, and the Baileys and, and all the characters. So, so I really love it. And yes, and, and it's sometimes more successful than others, but I think that, for people who are experiencing those things in real life, it's sometimes a chance to really talk about those things with their families as well, and, and that matters. Oh, I, I agree with you. I think, I think where it's, um, 
where it does it really, really well, it does it exceptionally well. And, you know, yeah. uh, Sinead's uh, cancer storyline was fantastic. You know, my my mum died last year of aplastic anemia, so it wasn't cancer. Oh, I'm but, sorry. Um, but, it, but it was a, a similar kind of thing that I went through. Do you know what I mean? And to see, to see, you know, that being played out, something's very similar in terms of, you know, somebody fading from your life. Um, you know, a few months later on Coronation Street last year was was, was fabulous. And, it, you know, people people sometimes say, oh, I couldn't watch it because it's too whatever. But actually, it helped. It connected massively, you know what I mean? It was really good. I think, that's, I think that's really interesting, actually, because I think, and first of all, I'm very sorry for your loss. That's that's a horrible thing to have gone through. And But I think that sometimes people are, are scared of being made to feel too much, you know, and you get trigger warnings on things, which, you know, I, I do understand why, you know, but... But, you know, sometimes it really, really helps to see your experiences reflected back at you. You know, even if it's it, it, on the on paper feels very different, you know, seeing, you know, like the, the recent story that, that Jane, Danton, that Liam and Steve have gone through on Corrie, you know, that that. That, that must be a very, very difficult thing to watch if you've been through something similar. But it might really help some people to see that their experience is, is um, that they're not alone in it. No, absolutely. And the other one that touched me more than anyone, anything wasn't, it wasn't Corrie, but with EastEnders with um, my, my partner has bipolar and uh, it, it, nobody ever talks about um, the other side of bipolar, the, how the partner has to deal with it. Yeah. And, and Stacey's storyline in, you know, Lacey Turner yeah. plays Stacey. Her storyline in, in, in uh, EastEnders over the time has been done so well. Yeah, and brilliantly. The frustrations that you... Because the, the thing about mental health, mental health is great. You know, everyone's talking about it. It's great that everyone's talking about it, all the rest of it. But there's a lot of things that aren't said and aren't talked about. And the system and the processes are, are quite complicated and complex and people don't understand it. And, you know, people, people often talk... They don't really know what bipolar is, a lot of people out there. Mm. Um, and as you're, when you're somebody who's caring for somebody, you, you're a partner, you, you don't get your side looked at or focused on ever, really. It's often just the bipolar and the person going mad or having a higher or low or whatever. So actually to see um, uh, Stacey and Martin going through what they went through and how um, the guy who played Martin played it, that I found really, really touching. And, it, you know, it certainly, I don't know, it really, I really... Um, really connected with that so you're absolutely right soaps can can really and, work really and, it, and it is as well in it? it you can do it because it's like you can do it over a sustained period of time as well yeah. so stacy obviously was a character that people already really cared about yeah. and and so seeing her and martin go through it was something that you already know them you know and i think it was the same with 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 Haley's death you know you, you could do a drama about cancer, you know, a three-part drama or whatever, and, and it can be incredibly moving and affecting, and there have been dramas about that. But it, I think it's a very different thing from watching somebody that you have known for 16 years go through it, and 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 then it becomes something really different, doesn't it? And, and that's very, very unique to the form. It's very unique to, to continuing drama, is that? And, and I think that's probably why it's so helpful to people in that way. Yeah, I mean, the way uh, Hayley was written out was, you know, it was fantastic in the sense that, you know, you were, um, 
exploring the dilemmas that somebody facing that kind of issue was go, would go through, which I found really interesting. So it wasn't just a case of oh, somebody's somebody's dying of cancer, oh, you know, visit them. And the, 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 you know what I mean? You could do it like that. That's often happened in the past. And, yeah. and I think that what, they, what, what, what happened with your story and Sinead's story was that um, it was those, those dilemmas, those things that people were going through in that situation. Because, you know, heaven forbid any of us are in that situation. But if you are in that situation, and I actually have an, a friend, sadly, at the moment, who's just been told he's got only six months to a year left to live. Um, people are having to make decisions, aren't they? They're having to make weird decisions. You know, he's been mm. writing a blog about it recently. Some really strange things that come up and people ask you about. And, um, you know, yeah, so, so I think it's fabulous. But on a, on a, let, let, let's just focus a little bit on the more positive side of your, your character. Going back to the beginning when she, when she first arrived, um, I thought, and often in soap, you know, everything is focused around things not working to an extent. But what was really sweet about it was here you had a romance that was being played out that was actually working. Okay, um, Roy had to deal with this issue and he had to work out what it all meant and all the rest of it. And he was a bit, he was quite shocked in some ways. But the way it was played out was so touching. And obviously you went off and did, I think you were filmed on location for those scenes, didn't you? When you, when you, you revealed to him um, about what your past was and what your history was. No, 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 that was in Roy's roles. That was in Roy's roles. That, that was on our, our dates when we were sort of like moving things on a little bit. Um, and then I went to Amsterdam. Oh, that's it. Uh, and he came and chased me there. Yeah, he followed me there to after after I transitioned. So he came to see me there and and, uh, and we had like a bit of a sort of like, well, what's going to happen now? And then I went back with him. I was going to stay in Amsterdam and I came back to Weatherfield with him. That yeah. was it. That was it. I do remember that. And I just remember the episodes being so touching. And it's just nice to see a character like, because Roy is, a, you know, he's the kind of character, you do see people like Roy out there. You know, people like Roy exist, don't they? You know, yeah, the, 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 the people that everyone thinks is a bit of an oddball or whatever. But actually, you know, they're people with feelings and, 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 and people who can fall in love as well. And that, I think, is great because there will be people out there who have got similar lives or might be a loner or whatever who are a bit sort of, you know, aren't, aren't you know, yeah, stay at home playing Scrabble, which is probably what Roy, Roy does or whatever, you know, to me. Um, and, and finally, you've got somebody connecting with that. Which is why I also like the fact that of the contrast between the relationship now that exists between Roy and uh, Carla and the relationship that existed between you and Carla, because again, it's that juxtaposition, isn't it, between the kind of characters they are. I mean, just yeah. talk about that. that. That must have been great fun to, to play that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, me and David, who play Roy, um, always said that that we we really enjoyed it and really felt like we often worked best when another person was thrown into our mix actually you know and then so right from the start you know when when fizz joined us and and became our sort of like unofficial child and then you know very memorably becky you know but we also looked after you know chesney and stuff as well and and so they were all it was always great when somebody came in and just like threw like a, a firework in, in, into our lives, you know, and, and, and shook it all up. But like Becky certainly did. And I think that, that the thing with Carla, I mean, that was a slow burn and that happened over, over such a long time. So 
Carla taking over the factory. So we had the odd little scene together, like, you know, the workers do with the boss in the factory. But it was only when we did the siege in the factory, when Tony Gordon escaped from prison and came, you know, to like tie us to chairs and blow the factory up. That's when we had our own little mini film for a week. And, and, and it was when the sort of relationship between Hayley and Carla really sort of cemented but also my own friendship with Ali as well and um and again it, it's chemistry you know chemistry doesn't have to be about um love affairs it can be about friendships as well and that that really unusual sense of that so I found it absolutely thrilling that after Haley went that they kept that friendship going between Roy and Carla and that he felt this absolute responsibility to look after her knowing that that's what Haley would want. And and her just being really inappropriate with him and just like and just being absolutely without any boundaries or or ever really trying to change yourself to fit in with what, what he thinks is respectable or right or moral. But also with the deep, deep love that she had for him. Yeah. Um that was born of like her, her friendship with Haley. So so some of my favourite, favourite scenes over especially in the, the last part of my time at Corrie were with Ali King. Yeah. And you know, and Ali's got lot loads of, you know, really big, big fans. She has a big fan base and um and they often make videos and put them on Twitter and stuff about, about Haley and Carla's friendship. And they're often like scenes and little bits of scenes that I've completely forgotten about because there were so many. Yeah. Because Ali is such a brilliant actor and she's so inventive, as is David, that they were always playing, you know. So there were always things that weren't in the script that they'd add, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Ali would always like be, it was always quite physical with Haley, you know, and just like hold her hand and get hold of her and just be sort of... And and David would always want to put a little bit of business into what we were doing. I was talking about this the other day that, you know, we we had so many little things between us, like over the years it evolved that he would always stand on the outside on the pavement like gentlemen do, you know, to protect the lady from, <laughs> from passing traffic, you know, being splashed or whatever. And he was very, you know, very gentlemanly in a very understated way about that. So very often if we had a long scene like walking down the street, we'd like... We'd turn a corner and then I'd be on the inside and then we'd do a little sort of like move, like almost like choreographed where he would then move to the outside. And there's so many clips of that. And that was like, and so David would say, oh, we can do our little, you know, we can do our little sort of um, swapping places bit in this. And we'd love that, you know. So it, it's a wonderful thing when you're working with actors who've been there for such a long time, who are still wanting to invent and to be playful and to lift things off the page and not just just form it in you know and I was really lucky to work with you know some of some of the people who were the absolute best at that and also you know if anybody wants to be in Coronation Street and last I'd say that you, you bring those things to the table you know because because nobody tells you to do it nobody gives you any sort of pointers in that direction you've just got to do do it and if they like it, it becomes part of your character then, you know, so. It's been on our tellies for six decades and we're big fans here at Distinct Nostalgia. 
and we're so passionate about our love for Corrie that we've put together some real treats for our listeners as we delve into the show's history this December. I was supposed to be both at university and uh, he was trying to sort of break out of this little backstreet world to better himself really. It wasn't usual for people from some street like Coronation Street to go to university. He, he changed the mould and of course people were in those times. They were beginning to go to university. We're right back to the very first episode with Ken Barlow's very first girlfriend and Alan Rothwell, who played Ken's brother, David Barlow. Coronation Street went out live to start with. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that was terrifying. Yes, yeah. You had to do a half an hour of television. Yes, and get it right. And get it right, yeah. Yeah. Staying in the 60s, and Kenneth Cope tells us how wooing Violet Carson, Ina Sharples, landed him a role in the show as Minnie Caldwell's lodger, Sonny Jim. She got me under the viaduct and started shouting at me, pointing a finger, pointing a finger and saying, get out, go away from here. People like you, 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 you don't deserve to be here. Get out and never come back, never come out. Go away, go away, go away. And our heads got closer and closer and closer. So the day there's a slight pause and I said, give us a kiss. And it just brought the house down, everybody. The whole crew just laughed their heads off. From our own archives, we bring you never-before-broadcast anecdotes from Jean Alexander and Betty Driver. It was Ina Sharples, Margot Bryant uh, that played Minnie Caldwell, me, Julie Goodyear, Jean Alexander that played Hilda Ogden, and we all used to be together and do scenes just of conversation, which I miss now. We should do more of that. Meanwhile, Amanda Barry and Chris Bisson remember their time on Coronation Street. I went in initially into the shop, Jim's Cafe, as it was then. I was invited in there to sack Pat Phoenix. Oh. <sighs> you know, I was, I was actually leading Lady in the West End, doing me bit, but actually going there to do... Now, you're talking about nerves. She was the leading lady of Coronation oh, Street, wasn't she? But it wasn't that. It was that it was unreal. It was surreal. Everybody says it, and it's true. You are completely surreal to go into there and go... You couldn't concentrate. You were going, concentrate a man that is not Elsie... It, it, is Elsie Turner? Is Elsie Turner? I'm talking to Elsie Turner. I don't know what I'm going to say next. I'm just step. This is what you do. It was like being waking, being very in the middle of a dream, and you're going concentrate, Amanda. You are still supposedly an actress. Get on with it. Yeah. We'll also have interviews with Julie Hesmondalch and Bruce Jones, and many more. And we've a very special dose of Distinct Nostalgia's Mind of the Month quiz, too, as we put Corrie's superfans to the test on their knowledge of those six decades, with some rather special guests asking some of the questions. Hello, I'm Thelma Barlow. Hello, I'm Stephen Arnold. I'm Philip Lowry. My name's Nick Cochran. Hi, I'm Martin Hancock. Hello, everybody. My name's Madge Hindle. Make sure you join us for all the fun. And don't forget to trawl our archives for loads of other Corrie interviews. Thelma Barlow, Steve Arnold, Nick Cochran, Chris Quinton, Chloe Newsom, Philip Lowry, Sherry Hewson, Madge Hindle, Martin Hancock, Tupeli Dorgu, stars from every decade of the world's longest-running drama serial. Celebrating Corrie at 60, this December, from Distinct Nostalgia. And, of course, the thing about um, Hayley was with, with um, um, Alison's character, Carla. Carla had come in and she, she had this impression of being quite hard, you know, bossy, all the rest of it. But Hayley's friendship with her started to help her become a more rounded character because she gave 
gave you saw the heart in in Carla, didn't you? More that was a, that was the great thing about that. You know, that oh was... yeah, she absolutely loved Haley. She absolutely loved her, and and you know, one of my favourite scenes was when you know in the in the final weeks when Haley's sort of uh, you know bed bound and. And Carla comes around and just climbs into bed with her as, as Carla would. You know, as Carla absolutely would. And they lie in bed together just chatting about things. And, and um, yeah, and how heartbreaking it is for Carla, you know, to, to see her friend disappearing like that. I, I, yeah, it was, a, it was a really special time filming all those scenes, actually, because it, was a, it wasn't just, you know, all of us saying goodbye to Hayley. You know, it's me saying goodbye to Hayley you know like like Bill Roach saying on the the show on the 60th anniversary show talking about Ken and saying that you know he feels like he's the custodian of 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 Ken you know that he's very protective over him and he cares for him and and I felt the same about Hayley you know and she was part of me but sort of separate from me so when it was time to say goodbye to her it was a really strange experience of like letting go of like a massive part of my life and career but also of myself I can't really I can't really describe it but it was a, a really really intense and peculiar time and I'm watching the final scenes when they aired which I hadn't watched before you know I hadn't watched like a, a, a pre-tape of it or anything I watched it as it went out with my husband and um I were a drinker then I'm not anymore but we, we just like we, we just drank whiskey and had like a whole roll of toilet roll and just absolutely wept and it was because it was just like oh god that's it that's Haley gone that's like this huge part of me and my life just gone yeah. and uh so weeping for her, weeping for Roy, weeping for me, weeping for like the friends, you know, that I was leaving behind and the, and the show that had been so important to me. It was just like a really, really huge part of my life, just like in those moments, you know, it's kind of cracky, you know. Definitely a huge part of your life and it changed your life in lots of ways, didn't it? We'll come to that in a moment. But just on the storylines again, I'm just remembering some of the, obviously there was, there was a fair amount of comedy over the years. Yeah. And always wearing that red coat, wasn't she? Yeah. What yeah. happened to that red coat? Well, the red coat is now in the People's History Museum in Manchester. So I was absolutely thrilled because I, I was always really worried about what to do with it. You know, the costume department let me have it at the end. And, uh, and, I, and my idea was to auction it off for charity, but that never really happened. We never found the right way of doing that that meant that we could make enough money for somebody or it, it just didn't take off, you know. And I thought, well, that's not, it's not meant to be. So I just kept it under my bed. And uh, and then the People's History Museum, which is a really fantastic museum in Manchester, which is all about sort of like well, people. You know, it's all about sort of you know the the the, the proper working class history of Manchester. And and they did this this one off exhibition that lasted a few months uh, a few years ago that Ian McKellen opened. That was a, a queer exhibition, so it's an LGBTQ exhibition, and they asked to put my uh, course in it. And um, and I just and I was so over the moon. I can't even tell you. And I had to sort of sign all these papers saying that you know that they would look after it for me and, and everything. And uh, and then they they washed it and steamed it. And then I went to see the exhibition, which was a brilliant exhibition. And it was there in like a glass case. And uh, and then afterwards they asked if it could be part of the permanent um, queer archive in Manchester. Uh, so it's there in storage for whenever they do any exhibition like it in the future. And so I just feel like, 
it's in the absolute best and safest place forever now. You know, it, it just thrilled me. Absolutely. Did she have the red coat all the way through, or did it? In- oh yeah, the- yeah. Oh no, all the way from, yeah, so I went shopping the day before Christmas Eve, 1997, me and the lovely um, costume designer at the time went shopping for Haley's outfits and that's when the whole look was created. Uh, Always blouses and skirts, American tan tights and little court shoes and um, and we found the course and it was just by chance, we just put it on and was like, yeah, this is great. Um, Little knowing sort of how iconic it would become And, um, and about... A year later, it was like the front page of one of the tabloids that um, people were absolutely furious because they had bought this coat from Dorothy Perkins. And, and I, you know, I don't know why, but they didn't feel like Haley was uh, much of a style icon. And, uh, and they were furious that they couldn't go out in it without people shouting Haley at them. And Dorothy Perkins had to discontinue the line because the hell, and this made front page. Must have been a really slow news day, or they were burying something. But yeah, yeah, it was it was there from the absolute beginning. Never ever had another one. So yeah, so it was practically falling off. Can you imagine sixteen years? I'm practically wearing it every day. I don't think it ever got washed. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. Did um, just just reminding, just remembering some of the storylines. Was there some kind of weird storyline? I remember. To do with Tracy and you. Oh, God, that was one of the greatest storylines yeah, of all time. Yeah, remind me what that was because it's gone out of my head exactly what happened. It okay, was, so so it was you and a, ba- is, and a baby involved in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Amy it was Amy. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, just remind us because it's gone out. Not... Well, basically, so it was. Uh, oh, I mean, we we. It's, it was a classic horror thing where you, you hear about it and you think, oh, no, this is terrible. This is just like, this is too much. And then it plays out and it's absolutely brilliant. And it's one of mine and David's favourite storylines of all time. So basically, Haley went away to look after her, her, her sick auntie. And while she was away, um, Tracy got pregnant by Steve. And she... <laughs> decided to blackmail Roy. So she got him drunk. She drugged him, basically, at, I think it was somebody's wedding. And then she, um, he woke up in Tracy's bed and had to come down and face Ken and Blanche and Deirdre in one of the most classic scenes of all time. They were just like, hello, Roy. <laughs> and then she told him that she was having his baby. And Roy believed it. And, you know, much, much, you know, heartache and trauma between Roy and Haley. they decide then to, to bring up the child. Um, she blackmails them out of loads of money to stop her having a termination. She's like, literally at the doctor and we go and we pay her loads of money to keep the baby and then we have it. And, and we, so we have the baby when she has it. And we have the baby for a, a, quite a few days and, and, and we call it patience. And, um, and then then we have to give the baby back and it kills us and it kills Roy in particular. And we, we take the baby back and Blanche it's, it's, it's one of the only moments. It's a really, really beautiful scene where Roy takes the baby over. Blanche takes the baby off him at the door of the bylaws and he's kind to him. She says, you've done the right thing, Roy. You know, and it's one of those things where there's a character that's always caustic and when they're suddenly kind, it's heartbreaking. And then he just like walks back to Roy's rolls and just collapses on the door and I come out and get him. Um, 
But in the meantime, you know, she married him. She got married to him. So that's a, that's a fact that many people forget that Ryan that, that Ryan Tracy got married in a register office with me as a witness. Um, yeah, and that baby grew up to become Amy Barlow. So it was really lovely, actually, that um, when it was Amy's 16th birthday on the show recently, um, Haley had written a card uh, when she was dying to give to Amy on her 16th birthday, and they read that. I, I have to say, Ashley, it's my favourite thing in the world when they talk about Haley on the street. I, it just makes me so happy that she's remembered and that she's still part of the fabric there. You know, it's just... Uh, so any time there's a conversation about it, it thrills me. Also, the, it's nice for the continuity for the fans, isn't it? To, because we all, as fans of anything, but particularly fans of Coronation Street, that, that history matters. It matters yeah. to be able to think, you know, I'd like, I've not heard her say anything about it for a long time, but I'd love Gail at some point to mention Susie Birchall. Yeah. Know? Because that's, that, that will make me think, yeah, this has been with me since I was, five years old. You know, I'm sure the- she probably has, you know, because there's like, I mean, you know, when Darren Little worked on the show, he was also the archivist and then and then became the writer. I mean, like, Darren just carried all this information. He carried, like, all the years of Corrie around in his head and when he was a writer, it was constant sort of, like, proper gold dust archivist stuff coming out. And uh, so I, I bet that happened. I bet they told us about that because it is thrilling for people. But but I suppose that, that for for Ryan Haley, you know, he, he, someone like Roy, it's really important that you honour the kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. And in reality, Roy probably wouldn't ever be with anybody else, you know, that that was his one chance at love. And, and that, you know, there's, there's lots of other things he can be to lots of other people mm-hmm. um, without falling in love with them because he had one true love of his life and and it's a really lovely thing that that's happened you know and he did you know and and he nearly got married of course um uh and then it it, it, I feel like it's good that they pulled back from that because it you know not not because of me but because of because of Roy because of Roy and I feel like it was right and and proper and sometimes it's really important to to honour the kind of characters they are. Because we were, despite our extraordinary backstories, the most conservative with a small C couple on the street. You know, I mean, you know, that, and that's why the writers had to be endlessly inventive with us because they couldn't really ever split us up. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. So did you decide to leave then, Julie? Was it you, your decision? Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, and, I, and, I, and it really was. You know, I'm not just saying that. <laughs> no, it's like a thing. It's like nobody ever wants to like, admit that they were like, they were bumped off. But, but no, no. I mean, and it, and, and it took me as by surprise as it did everybody else, really, because, because I loved it there. And, and, I, and I love that show and I always will do. But um, I'd been there a long time. and, and a lot of people remembered the way that Haley came into the show because it was quite sensational. And they remember the way she left the show because it was so sensational. But what people forget is that in between, there's a lot of like time when you, you don't have storylines. And for years, sometimes for me, you know, and that was absolutely fine. You know, I was like, you know, bringing up my children and, and having a, a lovely life and loving work, but it was but it very much a job for me. And, and, uh, and I, I didn't really think of myself as, as an actor anymore. I thought of myself as, you know, somebody who was in Coronation Street playing a part that was like my second skin. And, and I, um, I took a little bit of time off 
um, in um, 2012 to do a play at the Royal Exchange in the studio. And, it was, and I wouldn't have done that normally. And I was like terrified to do it. But it was a play about Sylvia and Sophie Lancaster. So Sophie was um, a young girl who was murdered quite near to where I grew up in, in Bakup. And um, her, she was murdered. You know, it was a hate crime because she was a goth much like Nina now in the in the cafe and she um and her mum set up a foundation in her memory and there was a really beautiful radio play about the two of them and about their life and um and they decided to put that on stage and Sylvia Sophie's real life mum really wanted me to play her I knew her and we'd become friends through work through her foundation so I took this time off Corrie to do that which I normally wouldn't if I took any time off it'd be to spend time with my family and I did it and while I was doing it I realised that there was life in the old dog still, really, and that there were other things that were out there for me and that I wanted to do and other stories that I wanted to tell. And I thought really long and hard about it, and it was a really, really difficult decision to make. But what was really interesting was that everybody I talked to about it was really, really supportive, you know. So so I thought that people would be saying, you must be mad, you're so happy there. You've always said you'll be there for the 100th anniversary, you know, that they'll carry you out of there in a box. And, and I had, you know, I'd introduced myself to people on the first day of saying like, you know, I've been here this many years and I'll be here for another, you know. You know, if, if, they, if they had not, like, wanted to get rid of me, I probably would have stayed forever had I not taken this time off to do this play. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, it's now, now is the time to do it. If I don't do it now, I'm never, ever going to do it. And I knew as soon as I told them that I was going to leave that they would um, that they would kill Hayley. I knew because I knew that David didn't want to leave and I knew that they could never separate us, that she just couldn't go off. She couldn't just leave him. You know, that just wouldn't happen. So I, I was absolutely ready for the door not being left open. I knew that that couldn't happen. But what I couldn't have anticipated is what an absolutely long and beautiful goodbye they gave me. I, I couldn't have wished for better, you know. It was, that storyline was so, you know, intense and involving and important to me, not just because of the right to die issue at the end, but also because of the pancreatic cancer stuff, you know, because I got very involved in pancreatic cancer charities at the time and, and a petition that was going around to try and raise awareness about that. And I felt like, again, I was being part of a story that, that was like changing things in, you know, in really real ways. And, and I felt the responsibility of that and the privilege of that again. And, and, and it was a real honour, you know, and it changed everything for me, you know, because it changed the way that people looked at me, I think, as an actor as well. And it opened doors for me beyond Corrie that, that just wouldn't have been there a year previously, you know, before that storyline. So, so it really, it gave me a, a, a really amazing springboard into to my new life as a kind of like out in the world actor again. We, we began by talking about iconic characters. Uh, but we have to say that um, your character was iconic. It was that you created an iconic character. Um, and I think people, you know, you know I, I was at the hairdresser earlier on today. I said, I, I said guess I'm going to, interview, going to interview later. 
And as soon as I mentioned Haley, then everyone knows. And it was a young, she's probably a, well, in her very early 20s, but she'd heard of Haley. She knew who Haley was. So it's so lovely for me to hear that. And, you know, and it's amazing to me because obviously, you know, I'm 50 now, but I, I, I still feel like I'm in my 20s, like you do. You know what I mean? And it's like, and people like fully grown adults come up to me and say, like, oh, I grew up watching you. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> We're the same age. I don't understand. <laughs> but it, but it's a really astonishing thing to be told that, you know, that you've been part of people's lives since they were little kids. And, you know, I remember watching you, you know, when I was like, you know, 10. And I was, I'm like, oh. And it, and, and it is incredible. And, and, and to be included in that sort of, um, well, in that tradition, you know, in that history of that programme, it's such an honour. It's such an honour. I mean, it's it's a bit, it's a funny thing when you've been in it because, you know, there have been times that were, were I found it frustrating that people think about Haley all the time, you know, because, because I, I've done so much since I've left. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. I've been really lucky, but, but I've, I've had a career that I've been really proud of that, that has way transcended anything that I did before Coronation Street, you know, and I've, I've done shows that um, I'm really proud of and that I'm, I was really excited to be part of. But being Curry, you're just not in the public consciousness in the same way as you are when you're in Curry, you know. So so when people, like, sort of ask me if I'm still doing my acting, you know, or in early days, like, oh, am I enjoying retirement? It really frustrated me, you know. And also when people are just like, oh, are you, are you that woman off Coronation Street? You know, and I'm always just like, oh, God, get that. And I'm like, yeah, seven years ago, yeah, seven years ago I left. And, but I'm absolutely fine because... I'm finding peace with that because what I realise is, is is how much it matters to people and how much it matters to me as well. And I've really got an handle on it because I've always, always said that no matter what I do, even if I win a Rudy Oscar, you know, which is highly unlikely, I know, but I, that I'll, my obituary picture will be me in that red anorak, you know, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it will. And you kind of accept that and you know that when, I read this thing recently where Billy Connolly said about being recognised and he said, they're already smiling when they approach. And I thought it was such a beautiful thing to say that that's what happens with me most of the time. People are already smiling as they approach me, you know, because, because Haley's like someone they feel like they know and like and, and, I, and, and sometimes I must disappoint them because sometimes I'm having a bad day, you know, not, not very often to be honest, but sometimes like something's happened with one of my kids or, or I'm, I'm running for a train or I'm late with something or I'm stressed, you know, because I'm and, and like, and they're like, it's Hayley and I'm just like, oh, oh no, I haven't got time, you know, and then you just feel like I have this, I've still got this responsibility to her. You know, and and I, don't, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't disappoint people by by not being as lovely as she is in people's minds, and and you know, and sometimes I've got to work a bit harder at that than others, you know. But uh, it's, it's it's such an interesting thing being so associated with a character, you know. And I suppose, you know, it, you just have to keep remembering what an absolute honour that is. And at a time like this, like around the 60th anniversary, when you're part of a program. And when you're doing these chats like I'm doing with you now, you realise that you're just part of this like absolutely legendary thing, this special 
part of people's hearts and minds and imaginations and and and, and it's wonderful and when I got asked to do the trailer for the little film you know the one with Tony Warren in I'm thrilled with things like that you know I'm not trying to get away from it or deny that that I was ever part of it at all you know it's like it is and was and always will be part of my life that what was it you said at the end was it something always and forever what was the first words what was it what's you say it is was and always will that's be that's it that was yeah. it because instant most people who watch the program will instantly know that's you as well so it's nice it's a nice little stamp isn't it Haley's there watching watching what's going on <laughs> which is yeah. great which is great yeah absolutely and i still watch the program you know religiously yeah, i no, love I'm, it you know so that's brilliant that's brilliant um because a lot of actors don't a lot of actors say oh i've not watched it for years or whatever you know people who've left well it's a big commitment you know it's it's on a lot you know and, and people have got lives and children and and stuff i mean and but but i've never stopped watching it and, and my husband writes it now you know my husband um is on the writing team of Corey. he joined that after i left which has been a really wonderful thing because we've got a foot in the door there you know yeah well what i was going to say about this am i right in saying we you know coronation street obviously I often ask at the end of these interviews, did it change your life? Or and people say, oh, yes, no, or it was mixed or whatever. But in your instance, Coronation Street really did change your life, didn't it? And not yeah. just in professional sense. Am I right in saying this is how you met the love of your life through Coronation Street? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I met him. I met him on my first week there because he would come in occasionally and play this sort of evil Weatherfield Gazette reporter. He had different names over the years, but he was always there. He was always that sleazy character, you know, and he'd be in there. And he was in playing that same sleazy character um, on my first week in as Haley. And he was, I think he was like, he was doing something on Toya with like Dave Dutton plays this photographer who used to always be a sidekick in it. And then uh, they were taking pictures of Toya who was, you know, way too young to be being photographed, you know, in his school uniform or something. It was something really horrible. And, uh, and we, and we were just like knocking together in, knock, knocking around together in Manchester. And, and uh, there was like a big bowling trip that week. And yeah. And so, so I, we became acquaintances who would who would just bump into each other over the years in Manchester. I could never ever remember his name. <laughs> and, uh, and then my friend Richard Standing, who played Danny, who who Sally was married to for a while, in the at the time when Kevin uh, and Sally had split up, and Sally married Danny, and they ran the hardware store on the street. So Richard um, Stan, to his friends, played Danny, and he was living with my husband in the little village where we live now uh, when he was up doing Corrie and, and he would talk about him all the time and, and, and I think I sort of, sort of fell in love with him by stealth by the way that he was talking about him and then it was on it was on Stan's birthday we all went out for a meal and at the end of this this meal he got up to leave and uh, and we've been talking to each other all night and I added a few again. I don't drink anymore. I did then. And he got up and I said, uh, "I said I'm going to marry you." And he laughed and I said, "No, no, I am. I'm going to marry you." And then we started this ridiculous text exchange over the days that followed, which we just got like increasingly flirty and ridiculous, and we like named our children literally. And then we had our first date on the Sunday night. I'd moved in with him by the Wednesday. Um, Six weeks later, we were on our way to get married in Vegas and I found out I was pregnant. So before our first anniversary, I'd, I, I'd 
had our little girl, Martha, who's now like 19. <laughs> and, uh, and we didn't get married in Vegas. We, we waited because I said, it's just too much. I cannot go back and tell my mum that I'm married and pregnant. It's like, so we, so we waited and got married a few years later and Martha was there. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, so it really, so it really, really did change my life in a huge way. But also, you know, the friends that I made there and, and the experience it gave me as well. The experience, you know, working now, I realised that you just, you cannot get experience like working on a soap because when you're doing a drama, you get a lot of help. You know, you get a lot of lovely editing, you know, they choose the best take. There's a lot of nice music and lighting and stuff. Soap, it's what you see is what you get. And, and actors who come into the show who can vastly experience are really shocked at the speed of it and the, and the absolute talent of the people that they were working with just to deliver that stuff. I mean, when you look at Jane Danson and stuff that she has been doing over this last couple of weeks and the, the emotional depths that she manages to sort of like access and, and put out there, and she'll have done that in like one, maybe two takes with no rehearsal, just a line run. You know, it, that is an extraordinary talent. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think you're right about um, soaps generally. I mean, I hate the word soap. I, I prefer, you know, when I was a kid, it was called a drama serial. Um, yeah. And then, of course, they started, I think they now, in, in posh terms, they call it continuing drama, don't they? But, I know, no. and I always feel like, I'm, I mean, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you go through stages where, where you, you think, oh, because it's, it feels dismissive to call it a soap. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, for some reason. I don't know why. I it's, don't know why either. But, it, but, you know, it's fine. That's what, they are. That's what people know them as. And I think that if, you, if you're an actor uh, in, in a soap, you know, if you start saying, like, oh, I'm in a continuing drama, it just makes it sound like that you, you've just got ideas above your station, you know, but... But like, I think since I've left, I, I prefer to call it continuing drama out of, out of respect. You know, when I'm in it, it's a bit more like you just kind of go like, yeah, just call it what it is. But the, but the, but the, thing, the thing is, I've said this many, many times, you know, these programmes have been going for a long, long time. There are obviously going to be down times. There are going to be t- times when they have difficulties or, you know, they're struggling in some way, shape or form. It could be anything. It could be change of writers. Could be ch- could just lots of things can, can, can happen. You know, you might have lost a, lost a couple of, strong characters that were very popular or whatever for no not necessarily you know for nobody planned or that kind of thing so they you know 60 years you know in the case of of, of, of coronation street 40 years emmerdale 35 years eastenders you know when they're good though they're bloody good they're absolutely at the top of the game aren't they you know what i mean yeah. and and that is what you know they're better than yeah you can see some fantastic films and some brilliant dramas and things but you know, um, I still think the soaps are up there. I think they do very, very well. Okay. Oh, I do. I do. I absolutely do. And, and I love it when you just like, you know, because, because I, I, I can't keep up with, with all of them, you know. Um, I, I try and watch them, you know, occasionally because, because I like to know what's going on and I like to, and, and it's my worst fear that I'd bump into somebody, you know, from EastEnders who's quite new and, and not knew they are, do you know what I mean? And look like I'm a bit like, myself do you know you could just be like oh I'm sorry I don't watch it you know I, I, I hate that and then so I do try and dip in but but I like the I like the sort of um wave when there's a big storyline you know when there was the the, the gang storyline on on the East Enders and stuff you know and the and the the domestic abuse one recently you know which was amazingly done like Corey doing that brilliantly as well and 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 you just go and you, and you just you feel the the 
you feel the wave leading up to it. It becomes massive. It's like a tipping point and you go, right, I'm going to watch this episode. And, and you know that it's really done something. It's really done something and done brilliantly. So when you look back at Coronation Street, obviously when you started in what year did you start? What was the year you started? In? Well, I started in 97, right at the end of 97, but, but, um, but I was on, on TV in 98, yeah. And of course, at that particular period, there was still... I mean, there's still quite a lot. Well, there's what seven or eight of the of the really early characters still in the in the program. Um, but when you started in '97, there's still quite a few people still there, iconic characters who who've not been written out by that point or died or whatever. Yeah. Um, that moment of going into Corrie at that point and seeing these people you've grown up watching, just reflect on that a little bit. Were there any people that you always wanted to? You know, you'd always followed Audrey, or you'd always followed. You know, was there anybody that you, it was, it was great to connect with in the end and realise who that person was and what they were like as, as real people, as it were? All of them. And I mean that. All of them. I, it was just like going into that green room on the first day, it was, it's, it's such a shock. It's such a shock. And the first person I saw was Johnny Briggs, who played Mike Baldwin. And I was just like, and everyone was lovely. You know, everyone really, really was. But it was just, Liz Dawn completely took me on and, 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 <sighs> took me under her wing and she was wonderful as did Amanda Berry, you know, because obviously a lot of um Haley's early storylines were with with Amanda, with Alma in the in the freezer company, you know, Firmas Freezes. And uh and of course Amanda was written out with a cancer storyline as well, wasn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. And people always still remember that as being absolutely beautiful. And Haley and and Alma were really great friends. Uh, Haley had a bit of a crush on Alma when she first came into the street. You know, it was like slightly sort of like a bit creepy, like doing drawings of her and stuff and giving them to her and stuff like that. Lovely. Um, but yeah, all of them really. But it but it wasn't even just the the the, the huge already icons like. Um, like Jack and Vera and, and and Ken and Deirdre and oh I mean all those people it was just incredible to be in the same room as them and I never lost that you know me and David always to the end would have what we would call our curry moments where we'd just be in the Rovers you know like 14 years in and just and you know be in there with sort of like you know Blanche and Ken and Deirdre or whatever and just be like oh I'm having a curry moments and just moments where you're just like oh, what am I doing here how how did I get here and uh but I remember being really really into the um the Ashley storyline with with his girlfriend that played by Joanne Froggett who never gets really mentioned as as, as a kind of alumnus of Coronation Street and because she wasn't in it for very long either but it absolutely launched Joanne and uh, and I remember seeing Joe in the green room and being a bit sort of shy and a bit like, oh, it's, it's Joe Froggett and she's like really amazing. And, and they had that absolutely fantastic story where she joined like the cult. And, <laughs> and I, <laughs> but yeah, it was all, all of that, all of that. And seeing people become iconic, people who come in after you and then see them just like go stratospheric, you know, like seeing Saran Jones and seeing, you know, Sarah, as, as you know, we all know it, coming in as just a factory girl and just doing bits, you know, in the factory and then just seeing the transformation of it into like a character that people will never, ever forget. And, and you know, Kate Ford came in while I was there, you know, and, and, and 
took over as Tracy and, and became just, I mean, I just think that Tracy is just one of the greatest characters ever, a character that you love to hate in that way. You know, so all of them really. And, and well, like, I like, what I like about Tracy is she always says the things you, 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 you'd want to say, but you can never say. Just like Blanche, just like Blanche, you know, she's just got, she's from that, she's from that lineage, isn't she, you know, so it's kind of like, and just like, the, you know, any time that Ken ever says, oh, Tracy, it's just wonderful, it's like, you know, and I, and I love Jimmy who plays Dev, you know, what people don't realise about Jimmy is that he is the most wonderful person to work with, you know, if you get partnered with Jimmy, he, he, he's another one who never stops being playful. You know, he, he, he'll get a script and he will turn it upside down, inside out. You know, sometimes it's like jazz. He, he just is endlessly inventive with it and never stops being um, into it. You know, the, he's just into it. And that's just such a lovely thing to be around, especially amongst veterans. Absolutely. And of course, um, not forgetting um, Barbara Knox, and of course, oh, Nicholas and Helen Worth, of course, who've been there for many. Oh, and they're, they're and, and Sue and Sally, you know, and just—I mean, they're all just amazing. And Michael, of course, Michael. And Michael, and, and and you know, and Bill, Bill is somebody that I have always said, you know, that the, the fact that Corrie is such a welcoming and lovely place for actors to come and do, you know, bits on or short storylines or whatever. It comes from Bill, you know, it comes from the top down. He's always the first to come and introduce himself, to ask what somebody's playing, ask if they know where the tea and coffee is. You know, it, it matters, that stuff. And talking about iconic characters, one of the people you did see literally grow up in the programme while you were there was, of course, the wonderful Jack P. Shepard as, as David. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he, I remember him as a little boy. He was so funny as a little boy, wasn't he? Was he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, brilliant. yeah. And now, what? I mean, he's, he's, he's basically, you know, he's part of the furniture now, isn't he? Really? Oh, yeah. And, and, and the stories that he gets, he's such a good actor. And, and Sarah as well. You know, it's like Tina. I remember, I remember Tina's first night as, as clear as anything. It was her and lovely Nikki who played Candice and they were both in it and we were on St John's Garden I think it was bonfire night you know and they were both really nervous and it was one of I remember Brooke's first day really clearly I remember um Alan's first day I remember Jenny playing Fizz all of them you know I've seen I've seen them all come through and and uh, and turn into absolute staples of the street and 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 adults you know adults who are and they're all so grounded and lovely and just great people. Absolutely. And of course, um, Sue Cleaver started while you were... You were yeah, yeah. Sue, Sue, was, Sue wasn't that long after me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah 2000, yeah. yeah. That's she's, like, she's definitely become an iconic character. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, people... Look, Eileen is every woman. You know, she, she is the person that, that I think people see themselves in most. You know, I think that she is, she is you on the streets commenting on it, you know, on that wry sense of humour. I, I, yeah, she's absolutely every woman. And, and what happens to her, you feel it in your heart. You know, her, her triumphs are your triumphs and her tragedies are your tragedies. So looking back, you grew up in the 1970s watching it, like I did, um, and you've been in the show, you've had the brilliant opportunity to work with some of these 
um, great actors, um, icons. Out of those that are, are no longer with us from before you started in the show, you know, the people like, um, you know, Gene Alexander and uh, obviously you got a chance to work with Betty, Tur- Betty Driver, who played yeah. Betty Turner, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, but how, of, those, of those characters from years back, you know, your, your Pat Phoenixes, your Violet Carsons, your Jack Howarths, you know, all those kind of people. Um, Eddie Yates, you know, the, character, the actor who played Eddie Yates, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hughes. Is there anybody that you'd love to transport yourself back in time and be in a scene with? That's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, I, I think just because of, as Haley, I think that, and I think it's, it, it, I always, always have loved working with the, the very glamorous women of Coronation Street because I think, I feel like Haley's always been a really good foil for them, you know, so she's always been the sort of like little sidekick to them and, and, and has sort of basked in their beauty right from Alma onwards, actually, you know, that sort of tradition of Haley sort of uh, hanging out with Karen and Becky and, 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 especially Carla. So I think if I was to do a scene with anyone, I think it would probably be Fat Pat Phoenix as, um, as Elsie Tanner. I think so. And actually, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lovely bit of synchronicity with Pat because uh, obviously she was, you know, married. She was with Tony Booth. And I, um, I now live in the house that, that Tony lived in, the village, and I, I have a bird bath in my garden <laughs> so I've got a little bit of part in my in my back garden so it's like yeah yeah she's very much I I, I just think that that Hayley would work really well with her well it's been absolutely wonderful um to talk to you Julie uh, on this the anniversary 60th anniversary you're the you're our special interview for uh, the birthday day the actual special day Oh, I'm thrilled. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure lots of people will have, have really enjoyed um, uh, listening to you. I mean, it's sad that Hayley can't return in a way, actually, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you knew, as you say, you knew she was going to be killed off and there were reasons for that because of the continuity of, the, of, of Roy as a character and all that kind of thing. But, you know, sometimes it would be nice to sort of see that red that red coat coming around the corner some, you know, sometime, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think so. I think so too, but I don't think that people would have taken her quite so much to the hearts if she hadn't been lost in the way she'd been lost. So, so everything, everything's happened as it should, I think. And, and, you know, just finally the point to make is that, you know, as well as being an iconic character, it was a groundbreaking character and a groundbreaking storyline, wasn't it? You know, at the end of the day, there'd been nothing, really around trans at all there still isn't a massive amount around trans no. you don't get many characters around trans at all really and um you know so for some people out there Haley's trans storyline the story around 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 a trans um woman will be the only thing they know so that just reflects on it very briefly but that's a tremendous responsibility isn't it really yeah and it, and as I said earlier you know it's one that I took very seriously from the start and I was very aware that I was being watched you know by you know trans groups you know trans support groups and and people who were working very hard to change things for trans people in terms of the human rights yeah. watching very carefully to make sure that I I did it with with a level of respect and integrity because 
obviously even back then they felt like a um a trans person should have played the role and and i agree you know i now a hundred percent there was absolutely no way that i should be cast in that role but then it was a very different world you know and and it's not that life has suddenly become really easy for trans people because you and i both know that's not true at all actually but but the way that we talk and think about trans and trans issues has evolved massively you know and possibly in some small way because of um the representation on on telly you know in different programs and but i i feel like back then it would have just been unbearable pre- pressure for for an actor to go in and and play it because of the intrusion into their lives by the press you know it was a, it it felt like a very different world then you know and so all i could do was was take it with good heart and and try and reassure you know the various groups that that i would do everything in my power to be an ally and i remain a trans ally and i think you did a tremendous job julie thank you very much indeed for talking to us it's brilliant thank you thank you ashley thank you so much And stay tuned to Distinct Nostalgia over the coming days as we continue to celebrate Corrie at 60. And again, don't forget, all these great interviews are still online by scrolling through the Distinct Nostalgia player at distinctnostalgia.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.